Yeah, that was my grandfather. This guy was uh, a jack-of-all-trades type guy, but uh, on his deathbed, I said, uh, Papa, um, you know, if you had any words of advice for me, and I knew it was going to be the last time I would talk to him. You know, I just knew it was this, that was it. It was going to be it. And, uh, but I said, what would, you, what would you say if you had any, you know, just words, last words of wisdom for me? To impart, and he said, practice, practice. 1985, I arrived. 33 years, damn, I'm grateful I survived. We wasn't supposed to get past 25. Joke's on you, motherfucker, we are alive. 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 Joke's on you, motherfucker, we are alive. We're back here for another segment of... Sarcasm Orgasm is me, your hostess with the almostest, Cody Odell, and uh, my guest Brad Stoll here with me today, joining me shortly uh, here on the live feed on Instagram, which is where you can tune in, uh, instagram.com slash Cody Odell, um, to check out all these live podcasts, and I think he might be coming back in here hopefully in just a second. You know, these notifications get sent out for these Instagram videos and um, I'll get them on my phone for other people. And you're like, this guy needs attention again. Ugh. Hey, listen, all right. I can't get on a stage right now because fucking some idiot Chinese guy ate fucking, you know, a bat with pangolin shit on it and killed like killed a bunch of people in the world like really is that is that what happened that is actually what happened <laughs> so i'm still waiting for brad here to join me i thought he would have joined by now but i guess he has not so uh here i am like it's just like the old days in my uh if you give a mic a comic podcast i would just do this by myself which is fine i'm cool with doing that i can entertain if no one else myself for however long of a period I need to do so. Um, it's kind of just what happens when you're a comedian. I've done a lot of shows with some like really, really awful, awful, just you couldn't even, it, calling them an audience even would be really just not an apt way to describe them. Uh, I actually, one of the show, one of my first, very first headlining gigs, tell a story as I'm waiting for Brad. Uh, one of my very first headline gigs, I actually that had the show end as a headliner this is something i've definitely never seen happen with anyone else it's only happened to me this one time ever that this ever even happened in 10 years of doing stand-up but um the literally the only time ever and i was the headliner mind you that i had a show end because the audience just all just kind of left and it wasn't like I walked them. It was just they had no interest in the show. So they were, you know, uh, basically uh, filing out as the show was going. And there were some other comedians. And I noticed it. And so I was starting to get a little bit like, oh, great. You know, it's going to thin out. I'm hardly going to have any crowd. Well, it turns out I had none, no crowd, period, at all. And what happened was the, the thing that happens in these situations is when these people were leaving. It's like I said, it's not because they were upset. They were like just kind of done with the show, had already seen a bunch of people and it was gone, had gone way too long. It was a very shittily produced show. I won't mention who the person was that was producing it, but let's just say it was not run very well. Too many comics, 
tired audience, bad combination for a headliner. Yours truly. So anyway, I uh, I went up on stage and at that point the crowd had thinned out so far. I think there were maybe four people in the crowd and then there was one comedian. I believe it was Michael Nieto, my buddy, homie. Shout out to Mike Nieto in uh, the uh, San Marvelous uh, jurisdiction, if you will. Uh, great joke, by the way, for that guy, Michael Nieto. Uh, I, uh, I'm i a veteran of the war on drugs. <laughs> I fought for the side of drugs. <laughs> great Michael Nieto joke from back in the day. Still remember it. Anyway, I think he was the only other person in the crowd crowd i use quotations besides those four people so two of the people leave within like the first couple of minutes of my set which i kind of was expecting but then the last two that were there was a, it was a couple and then mike was sitting like on the other side of the room by himself if i'm if memory serves and he <laughs> um he was there and and what happened was the people that were sitting in the in the across on the other side saw him there and and normally there would be almost like a social f- obligation feeling of if you're the last people in the crowd to walk out would be really really like a huge slap in the face to that performer because they're you know you're literally their only audience, right? So like by walking out and basically leaving them with no show, you would end the show effectively unless that person just likes talking to himself as I'm doing currently. But, um, <laughs> uh, where was I going with that? Anyway, uh, but they saw Mike Nieto across the room, right? Not realizing, maybe they did realize, honestly, because he had gone up earlier on that show. I don't know how they could have not known he was a comedian. But anyway, they knew he was there. And I guess in their mind, they're like, well, at least, you know, his buddy's here to hang out with him while he tells his stupid ass jokes. And so they're like, we're going to leave now. They didn't feel as much of that obligation, I feel like, socially to stay just because it would be a really, really hurtful to the performer and it was whoever you are couple from many years ago in san marcus fuck you okay you didn't realize how mediocre this guy was gonna become jokes on you motherfucker we are alive 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 jokes on you motherfucker we are alive hey buddy Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing all right, bro. How are you? Um. <laughs> wow, what a loaded question. Rocking the stash. Love it. You 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 open your you open your podcast on such a strong note. What do what are you up to? It's a, it's a heavy heavy <laughs> hey, one. Hey, you know I I don't I don't like to fuck around. All right, I like to get right to the point. I think it's important. I just mean to, in this day and age, that question of what are you up to? There's not a lot. Unless, unless you unless you live on a couple acres of land, you got nothing going on. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like uh, everybody is uh, just basically uh, <clears throat> kind of just chilling at home and doing nothing, man. Everybody's like trying to figure out what their lives are, what the meaning of their lives are, and shit. Uh, you know what? As an as an uh, as an extrovert, I can honestly say I have lost most purpose in my life. Yeah, well, you can't get on stage now, so you you have to battle well, your demons el- uh, in other ways. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I, I, I don't know if I said this to you offline. I, I hadn't been on stage. I went on stage probably, oh, God, it had to be like a month ago. Mm-hmm. But like before that, I, I like cut down immensely from what I was. I mean, I mean even more so now that I live in Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. I, I, I heavily cut back stand up. I just, uh, it wasn't doing a lot for me at the time when it was when I was feeling this certain way. It yeah. started back in like, I want to say like November was like one of the last like big shows I headlined my hometown. I had two shows. It was my first time like. My, I had a manager at the time, got me headlining gigs, two 45-minute slots with openers, mm-hmm. and heavily depended financially at the time on it. I had, uh, I've been waiting tables and shit, and uh, just not making money at all. Like, it's horrible out here. Like, like the service industry, I can only imagine being a server now in this right, bullshit, but right. like, then I was only making probably, I don't know, like uh, 200 bucks a week. It was horrible. So, I, I go home, I... Um, I introduced my, my girlfriend to my family. It's great. We're having a great time. I, I see my grandfather for the first time in like a year. And he's Damn. basically, he's about he's about to die. Dude. And he, he died about two months later, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry to hear I that. Go on sta- no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, he was 91, lived a really great life. Uh, I get on stage <laughs> probably two hours later. And I and I find out that neither of those shows are sold out, as I was told that there were probably a good chance they would be. Fifty people show up to the first one, four show up to the second one. So let me get this right: you are yeah. headlining a show in your hometown, and mm-hmm. two hours after the day you found out your grandfather died, you were on stage. No, 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 no. Well, no, no, no. He okay. was like, it was the last time I saw him before he died. So I basically, in my mind, it was accepting. Your grandfather's gonna die, and you're not gonna see him again. Like that's uh, it. Okay. And then, know, he, and then he, and then this is let me let me pre up this. So he apparently falls an hour later after we leave him for brunch. Like my grandmother mm-hmm. and him are going home. He falls. He's fine, right? Then I meet my mom's boy, new boyfriend. Mm. Uh, his hit <laughs> the boyfriend's daughter crashed her brand new car, literally twenty minutes before he walked into the door. And we're both meeting each other for the first time. And then I'm going to perform yeah. stand-up two hours later in front of him and a bunch of fucking friends and family that are going to go see me. My mind's like, you're not telling a single joke. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not funny. Not a chance. I'm not one of those performers who like, oh, I'm just going to fucking yuck it up because I'm sad. No, if I'm sad, I will be sad on stage. I don't have the energy. You know, dude, you remind me of an interesting uh, performance for me because um, – I was still living in New York at the time. Uh, my best friend passed away uh, back in 2016. And right. uh, that particular night, I had just, I didn't know where else to go. You know, I just, I had no other, just like, I just needed to get out of my apartment. And so I left and I went to the standing room and uh, Sal was the GM there at the time. <laughs> shout out to Sal. What, 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 what. Shout Sal out to Sal. I've had some bombs in that room. Oh man. Hey, I think we all have. I've had, dude, but th- this particular <laughs> night, man, I actually um, wasn't even on the show. It was like, it was a Saturday and I just right. showed up to hang out just to get out of that apartment. And Sal, I had, you know, we were pretty tight uh, at the time. Uh, you know, we obviously don't hang out too much anymore. But, yeah, he was like, uh, I had told him what had happened. And he's like, you know, of course, expressing a lot of, uh, you know, condolences and everything. But then he's like, he's like, I'm going to put you on. I'm going to put you up. And I was kind of mixed about it. 
Yeah. Where you're it, very similar too, though. You're very you're you wear your you wear your uh, feelings on your sleeve on stage. I you know I I it's interesting you say that because I've actually had some friends of mine talk to me about vulnerability and being more vulnerable. Which I, maybe there's there's like a, a type of vulnerability that I'm not getting into that I should maybe, but we could talk about that in a sec. But yeah, but basically the gist of it was like I was kind of mixed, but I'm like fuck it, you know, because it was one of those things where yeah. I was actually still kind of in shock. Um, I mean, how could I not be? It oh, was yeah. a couple hours, and I mean, he was 31, so he was young. I mean, he got. It, but it also hit, it hits home. It, yeah, and you know, and I had just talked to him. I, I literally talked to him in the morning of. Um, I'm not exactly sure what time it happened, but I had talked to him that morning on Facebook Messenger. We were chatting, and he was just telling me how he was making his way. He was uh, in commute, uh, coming from California to Texas to take care of some stuff. And so, yeah, right. I talked to him that morning. He's like, I'm in New Mexico. The next day I get on Facebook and his mom and I are friends on Facebook and I see the post and it's like, you know, so sad. Mark, Mark passed away. And and you see that and you're like, it's almost like it doesn't even equate. You don't even. Yeah, you don't, yeah it doesn't register. You don't process that at first. And so I think no. I was still in that not even having it, having have it processed yet point. But I go up that night, bro. And I mean, I crushed like and it was wow. yeah and you know what was weird about it was that it was like for the first time i've not for the first time you know I've, I've definitely felt like the feeling of like i'm okay with people not liking me but like a truly mm -hmm. like i didn't give a well no fuck. like at that point you know what you know what's interesting though i think it's actual death that may have given you that it's that same feeling when you bomb, like your biggest bomb, and you feel like nothing can hurt you anymore. Like that, mm -hmm. that hurts so much that like mm -hmm. that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that he was still living definitely plays a card into my situation. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, I have been living in LA, and my stand up even then had been trickling. I have been getting on stage less, but I've been. I'm like, well, I have to get on stage if I'm going to fucking headline. I did not have the 45 that I even remotely even think I had. Yeah. Um, yeah. I go on to listen to this. So I get on stage, my riffs about my hometown bomb, like nothing. <laughs> then I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to do. Can't even uh, get the local jokes to, to go over. Can't even get the local jokes. I'm going to go right into my act. That gets half-ass laughs, like jokes that I'm like, I know fucking work. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do some crowd work. Yeah. And then that's getting nothing. And then I get heckled, which is like the immediate next thing. Like after your crowd work's done, you're going to get heckled. And then you got to fucking bury, like dig yourself out of a hole. Yeah. This dude heckles me. I'm like 20 minutes in into my 45 and he starts heckling me saying like i'm not funny and i was like oh fuck like this is the worst heckle you get is like you're not you're, you're not you're not funny like it's not even like it's just mean you know it's just like right. straight up mean so i'm going back and forth this guy he's fucking hammered he doesn't even know what fucking year it is he's so drunk yeah we're going back and forth and then my mom's boyfriend who who's ready for this he's from i think he's from the bronx an ex cop, okay. and he's never been to a comedy show before, so you already know where this is going. <laughs> I got this. I got this all on tape, by the way. It's still online. Nice. He starts. He starts heckling the fucking heckler, <laughs> and then now I'm moderating the heckling. It's yeah. like a triangle. Drunk that, guy's at me. Boyfriend yeah. is at the heckler, and then he's like, get standing up, trying to. He wants to fucking hit him because he feels bad for me. He wants to stick up for me, and I'm like, my, my own father wouldn't have done that shit for me. So kudos. He's already <laughs> winning brownie points in places I didn't think he could win. Dude. I was more nervous about, oh, this guy's never been to a comedy show. I'm going to fucking, this is going to be the worst thing ever. So he's sticking up for me. And I literally had to be like, hey, shh, 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 shh. Like, yeah. you know, 
let, let, let it's me almost like here. hey hey I, it's thank you i appreciate the sentiment thank but I, I can handle myself up here i i they are giving me this money because i you know i do have the experience to do that so thank you for your concern i appreciate it. no it's cool. uh that reminded me of a, a bill hicks special that had come out a little while like a while back this was like his first special before even um the what was it the one he came out with uh in like 08 um Mm-hmm. where that was the first major special he did but before even that i think it's called emotionally unavailable is the name of the special it's like from 2003 it was recorded real um like the audio like you can hear cash registers and stuff at certain points it's like, that, it's like that great, yeah, great. yeah yeah it's that like kind of low budget but it was a solid special as far as the material goes and like at one point during the special there's that that exact scenario you just described happens and he's like now the crowd is heckling itself (laughs) he's like yeah no it's it's true yo y'all tell table 63 table 62 said to shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) dude and like that's the thing is like so i'm like dying up there and the Mm -hmm. first thing i'm thinking is like you know what like i'm you know and then here's the problem too the audience wasn't even on my side through this whole thing so it's like who do you root for the asshole heckling me or the comedian that you don't think is funny right well and you, you tear the the audience the audience is torn because they're like well he's our friend but he sucks yeah and we have this drunk guy who's being an asshole none of this show is good what do you root for at that point it's like what would you rather eat shit or come like it's the same argument yeah like, yeah i don't know whatever, you know whatever tastes like least like the thing yeah, you know, um, I was I, I was listening to this old Patrice clip from some podcast. It was on one of these like deep dive YouTube journeys of videos where I was listening to a bunch of Patrice. Like he uh, used to have the Black Phillip show, which I believe was a podcast at the time uh, when he was alive and stuff. But uh, well, yeah, now, now it's now it's uh, now it's beige film. So what's his okay? Face, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and honestly, I don't remember uh, Dante Nero. By the way. Uh, yeah, I believe. Arrow, yeah. yeah, but I, I don't even remember where this was from. It could have been from that or something else. But he was talking about like when you're up on stage and how he's like, if I'm going to bomb, I'm taking everyone down with me. He's yeah. like, because people want to see you fail. They like people like to see other people fail try to do something and struggle at it oh yeah it's like something that people get a sick pleasure from seeing they don't want to see you do well i well i shouldn't say that maybe at the beginning it's a neutral vibe at best right but if they start to not like you then the that exacerbates itself to like them wanting to see worse and worse happen to you because they don't like you my big my biggest laughs were being uh, i i started to win the crowd back a little bit but not enough like the biggest pops were during my like eventual like rebuttals when I finally got the balls to say something because I just kept like I was already so not confident to begin with, right? And then this guy's digging me. I was like, man, this is as bad as it gets. You got your your mom's new boyfriend sticking up for you, drunk, slurring yeah. words and telling him to eat eat a dick, <laughs> as you're been like trying to tell him that his girlfriend is is a fucking idiot for dating. Like I'm just doing all the fucking like I'm just destroying him like. I think he was like a plumber or something, so I started making fun of him for the fact that he didn't have like a like like a, like a he didn't have a fucking white collar job, like just being a schmuck at that point. Because like, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, you know, I didn't even finish my I didn't even finish my set. Yeah, I get off stage, I look at my uh, I look at my openers, and I was like, well, that's as bad as it gets. And then then the next show, I said four, but actually it was it was ten people. Eh. Six were my friends, four were strangers, and it was the best of the two because I just sat on the stool and I'm just like, well. This is what's going to be. I'm not going to tell my jokes to my friends because that's so embarrassing. Like, you're all sitting here. Like, 
I, it's hard for me to turn it off and be like, yeah, I'm going to do my act for you guys. Right. But like for like, you, man, I don't know you. I feel like going into that situation, it's like you cut your teeth in New York. So a 10 person crowd's a good crowd, man. Like in, in no, a, and, in and a New York was, sense. And that was the thing. Well, that in that sense, that didn't bother me. I was more confident. I had a great time. I was shitting on my friends, telling inside stories, trying to find something funny. Mm-hmm. making. I did crowd work with the couples I didn't know. It was great. It was an awesome second show. But the problem was, is like, I financially was depending on that show. Mm-hmm. I made $300. I was estimating that I was going to make close to 1500 bucks. Not even fucking close, obviously. Yeah. And I went, I went back to LA broker, like that yeah. I came there with. And it was... It was a shitty situation. I wrote it out a little longer. And uh, that was like the one of the last times I went on stage. And then like by after I came back from Florida after my grandfather passed, I had a, I luckily have a friend out here who like would put me on stage every like once to twice a month at a, at a show. Whether it be four people or fucking 20 people showing up, I'd always get a hosting spot or a spot. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't motivated. The, the last time I went on stage before like my friend was offering me gigs, I had a at a club spot at uh, flappers and I just got off stage and I was just like, I don't, I had a good set and I was like, I don't feel anything from this. Like, I don't feel good. I don't feel gr- like, I don't feel bad. I just don't feel anything from this. And I, don't, okay. I think I was a sign for me being like, maybe it's time to take a back seat and focus on the things you're focusing. Cause I've been focusing on filmmaking and, and writing and obviously trying to get myself in whatever yeah. I can act in. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly I, um, was being more successful in that. I'd gotten very close to a lot of opportunities that unfortunately did not pan out. But like I was making more headways in the short span of like LA filmmaking that I was making in like five years of comedy. Like it was insane. Yeah. How, what the difference was. Well, and how much people cared about me more in the filmmaking side, because the friends I made are always taking care of me. Yeah, they've gotten me on sets. They got me producer gigs. They got like people in comedy don't give a fuck about you until you have something. Mm-hmm. Like at the like truly, and like you can at least get the friends in the beginning who are like, "Hey man, you're my guy because you're reliable and you show up." And hey man, can you do this? Hey, do you want to be in this with me? Like, you know, it, with it, how I many feel that... debaucherous degenerates there are in this game, you, the, being just being that alone, being reliable and consistent, is like puts you light years ahead of a good chunk of the motherfuckers doing stand-up man but you know i had i had a few things i wanted to say towards what you were talking about um number one number one i wanted i do want to get into like what you've been up to but uh before we get to that um two things my grandfather uh two two quick stories my grandfather uh on his deathbed he was a uh performer musician multi-instrumentalist uh wannabe stand-up comedian who once uh the got the flight attendants to let him do a stand-up set on a southwest airlines flight (laughs) Yeah, that That's was my amazing. grandfather. This guy was uh, a jack of all trades type guy, but uh, on his deathbed, I said, uh, "Papa, um, you know, if you had any words of advice for me, I knew it was going to be the last time I would talk to him. You know, I just knew it was this, that was it, it was going to be it." And uh, but I said, "What would you, what would you say if you had any, you know, just words, last words of wisdom for me to impart?" And he said, "Practice, practice." <laughs> That was mm. that was his advice to me on his deathbed. Practice, practice. Yeah. yeah. God, that's. I mean, it's, I mean, listen. I mean, like, it's wise as as it can be. I mean, like, I feel like when people try to look for advice, we try to look for like this unbeknownst said thing. It's usually that, very like, simple. Going to, it's very simple, and it's very much something you've already heard. Like I mean, your grandfather's right. You got to yeah. fucking practice, and people don't want to fucking hear that. But if someone's on their deathbed, it's the context. So. Somebody yeah. who was dying was literally like, of all if the you things, don't practice, you won't get better. 
Well, and, 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 and the last thing people want to hear is like, wait, what's the shortcut? They're like, no practice. And I think I had told you know him because I mean? that night, it just so happened at the time I was still playing with my old band. I, I'm a drummer as well. Um, but he knew oh, I had yeah. a gig that night. And I think he just knew that was something I had been doing. And so his his message, I think, was just like, if you ever want to succeed mm-hmm. at any of this, you got to just fucking put in the work. And like open mics are the practice for the comedians. Right. But um, I was going to say one other thing, yeah. a quick thing. You, we were talking about heckler stories. I got a good one. So I had, <laughs> okay, let's when you talk it. about he- the hecklers, I had this show. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but uh, I mean, part of what happened, I'm sure has happened to you, but it was one of those hecklers where I got up. I mean, I was maybe 30 seconds into my set, right? And this oh, chick, nice. Sweet um, spot. yeah, this chick immediately, like with right off the bat, step, starts stepping on my shit, right? And saying shit, and I'm like, at first, I'm like, I'm the type of guy, like, I'm, I, I already kind of knew it was not gonna go well because it's like you're already gonna start with me on this, this quickly. Like, there's no way I could have made them show them anything at that point. Like, if whether I, I hadn't had enough time to like make them like me or make them hate me, you know, <laughs> one right. or the other. So, you know, I already kind of had a feeling, and so of course it goes on, and I let it happen a couple times, and then, I mean, I didn't let it happen that many times, and it went, I went. <laughs> Instead of, you know, kind of like trying to handle it calmly, I went from zero right. to fucking 60, bro. And I was you like... Went right, you went right for the fucking head. And I, but I was... It wasn't even funny. I know it was, though. It was. Mm. That's the thing is because I wasn't mad, but I just knew the only way to handle this chick is to go in hard. All, like, if I'm going to say anything, it needs to be right away like very hard oh yeah no and, no and, no no stuttering no hesitation yeah and even that you're gonna probably be dealing with this because these people these drunk ass people don't understand they're not helping they're hurting shit they're making things more difficult for you as a performer they want to think they're making it easier or better or contributing the thing, it's always but it, the, the thing that sucks though about a heckler is that for like i think about 80 percent of the time it's coming from a place of like oh i thought i was helping because right. they're a little selfish, right? But they don't think it's a bad thing because they're stupid and they don't go to it. Even the people who love comedy have done it and not realized that they were doing it. Yeah, well, and I it's, think it's a it's a fascinating like you know, I, switch. I would say I uh, so I agree with you on that sentiment. I I would say more times than not, the person that's heckling is really truly not trying to be malicious. They're not really maybe they just said something because they thought it was funny in the moment and they're just not considering that that's kind of not something to do or whatever. I agree with you, but then there are a, a there are a certain percentage of hecklers, man. It's right. like they think they're better than you, and so they they need to interject in your shit because they think they're seeing you. Maybe you're struggling, and they're up there. You see you up there thinking, "Oh, I could do better than that." That's the mindset. So they're gonna like throw shit at you, thinking what they're saying is funnier, and they're gonna get laughs right on you. Which hecklers don't realize. You can't if you if a heckler gets laughs with me, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. I don't like. Right. You know, like, have you ever, I'm sure you've had a heckler say something and then the crowd laughs at the heckler. And then some comedians will take that as like, oh shit, like it's a challenge. When in reality it's like, I don't give a fuck, dude. I don't care if a heckler uh, gets a laugh. In fact, I've had some of my most like insanely great sets off of a heckler starting something with a laugh and then me taking that and almost giving me an opportunity while the crowd was laughing at the heckler to start formulating my response well, you know, because I'm, right. I'm smart enough to know whether it's my laughter or the heckler's laughter, I'm not going to step on it. Right. So that's the thing. Right. It's like I'm not going to step on. And also like having that moment steep in is also very important because, again, it gives you that wiggle room to think of something quickly. 
Yeah. And let 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 him have that laugh for a second, mm-hmm. and then come back, and then it's like a fucking you dropped in like a fucking a bomb on this guy, you know? When, yeah. Like, when they don't even expect it. I think that some of, unfortunately, some of like the times that I've gotten heckled and it's gotten a laugh, it's actually killed my set. I'm somebody. My biggest, I think, my Achilles heel in comedy is that I I do care a lot and I also want people to have a good time. That's just been my mentality before I started stand up. I have a people pleasing mentality, and that's why I think I'm a good host because I do actually like when the crowd has a great fucking time. There are a lot of comics who are like, "Well, fuck you." Uh, to the audience like it's what i think blah, blah blah and i get it like everyone has their fucking nut like my nut to me honestly is obviously getting a laugh but the second would be that they had fun yeah i like a crowd that has fun because that's contagious right and i think a lot of comedians don't don't really want to see that they kind of it's the that's the narcissist in a stand-up comic where they're just like well i would rather them laugh at something that i created that's right. like i get that which is the we ego. We all want people to love what we create. It's complete ego. And that's, I think, the difference between a host and a comedian. Like, a stand-up is, like, hosts are going to get laughs in places that you wouldn't expect. And then, at the same time, they actually care more about the crowd having good because, yeah. That's, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, no. And it bothers the fuck out of me. I think that's also why I don't get along with comics. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, I I could because a lot of them are egomaniacs. I mean, like we all are on some level, but like then there's like the, I think it's like just like being a fucking human, you know, right. being able to separate the sport from the fucking from life. Well, and it's it, it seems like it's it's just a constant pissing contest with some guys that like they always have to one up you on the funniness or one up you on the, you know, I'm I'm running this fucking conversation like I'm I'm the alpha if you want to call it yeah. that of the of the circle of wherever circle you're in at that at that you know any yeah. given moment it's fucking, and it's like yo fucking dog we're shit. all like trying to like do the same thing right like why can't we all just be on a level about that like you're no nobody's better than anybody and even in the people that are doing more in the game they're not better than anybody else you know like they're still human beings with flaws and errors you know it's like we build up you know why because everyone's got fucking issues dude everyone hasn't been hugged they, by their parents they wouldn't even be in this game if there wasn't the some sort of shit going on i mean i'm a Everyone's middle child that's that's something. my I'm, I'm i'm a middle child through and through and i and i'm i'm a spoiled brat who was a fat kid growing up and i take it out on everybody because i was bullied a lot so <laughs> dude you know hey you know however you got to process your pain is what i say you know oh yeah absolutely i mean i can't i can't judge you brad for for your uh your usage of comedy for dealing with that. And, you know, I wanted to say to you that <laughs> <laughs> that I, I feel like what you said about not feeling anything, bro, I went through that. In fact, the the end of the story I was telling about my best friend and going up that night when I went on stage the day I, my best friend died and killed mm-hmm. was that I got off stage and I had – I mean, I'm not, like, going to tell you if I had, a like, a great set when it was just an okay set. I'll tell you if it was an okay set but not great. This was a great set. So I got off, and, in, and for all intents and purposes, in any normal circumstance, I would have felt amazing. It would have been this elation I would have felt for probably hours after, at least. you know. And I got off stage, and I felt nothing. Nothing at all. Didn't like phase me at all. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. That feeling persisted for a long time for me afterwards. Oh, I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't derive, and I was almost doing it just to do it and there wasn't like a purpose or a feeling of intention or conviction of any kind like i was just going through the motions and eventually it's kind of like it's kind of like it's, it's like a stale relationship you know you kind of start yeah. feeling like 
yeah you're just doing it to do it and not actually enjoy yourself which is and, a fucking unfortunate reality and what i'll ultimately say to you before we move on to like curious about what you've been up to man um is that if if you feel that itch to get on stage then you're gonna go get on stage i mean that's the bottom line of you course. know there it's it does there's some guys that have it like deep down inside this like itch that they can't get they can't ever really fully scratch and they just have to get on stage all the time some in some cases it's not productive for them in some cases it's actually counterproductive for guys because they're just doing it to right. do it but it's like if you feel that then get up on stage and if you don't then go do all you know work on whatever other creative endeavors so i mean i feel like right. that's kind of where you're at you know you may feel that desire to really start getting up again um on stage and uh, you know it's cool man so um You've said you've been direct. You've been trying to work on some screenwriting, and you've been doing some acting and shit. Are you doing like background stuff or any sort of principle? Uh, or so like, principle, but I'm I am the uh, I am the jack of all trades who have done it, and nothing has persisted, and it becomes <laughs> this uh, this uh, cat and mouse game of when and you get so close, like so close, like things I could just name drop, and like I hate that. That's my least favorite activity is name dropping, because uh, it happens a lot out here. Luckily, you don't have to hear it anymore because everyone's stuck in their fucking house. I'll tell you, the things in L.A. that have been saved is pollution and people who fucking talk about things that are not true. It's all bullshit out here. It's all fake bullshit. How would you compare the New York scene, maybe even just New York in general, to L.A. in terms of the people? And, like, I've always felt like people in New York are pretty blunt. They're pretty They're pretty straightforward about what they think or feel. They don't, yeah. they don't hide shit. There's not time for that shit. They're just, they tell you what yeah. they're failing and thinking. Does it is it kind of uh, yeah, like the so opposite in LA? I, I get the feeling it's, it's the complete. It's, I think I find it to be the complete opposite. You do meet. I think in filmmaking you do happen to meet people who are pretty blunt because I think that's what you need to be in production. You need to be fucking straightforward and not be like you can't dance. Like if you're not the director or the uh, the writer, it's harder for you to be this transparent person. Like I ad a lot and I'll produce. In that position, the AD is literally, like, in layman's terms, the asshole on set that gets things done. And I thrive in situations like that. It's like, cause like listen, I'll be an asshole, but I want to make sure that we're on time. I'm, I'm scheduling. I'm making sure we get all the shots we need. I can't let the director play too much because if he plays too much, we lose a shot or she loses a shot. It's it's a fucking – it's a whirlwind. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's I, so I much, like that too. But there are so many moving parts on a set. It's crazy. But I, I, I'll say as far as, like, in New York to L.A., it's like, if we were going to talk comedy, yeah. Like, the comedy scene kicks L.A.'s ass, like, fucking football fields light years away. It's so much better in New York to be a stand-up. Yeah. If you want to just come out and do stand-up as, like, I feel like stand-up out here is a uh, thing you can do when you have clout. Mm-hmm. Or you you book shows coming out here to visit. Mm-hmm. Or you do it basically as a hobby at that point. Or you start your own show until it becomes something. Yeah, well, like, when you start a show, when you start a show in LA, it better be so different. Like I know in New York, like yeah, there's bar shows, there's you know some like you know like there's the Nid and there's like all these crazy things. You know, in LA, it's like if your show is not so like almost like obscure that people can't make a show out of it, it's like it, it, every other show is going to be a stand-up show and a circle jerk like you see in New York. All I can say is but that the, if the if, only difference is the comics are even the worst comics in New York is, to me are still funnier than comics in LA. You know, That's yeah, my per- and I, I'll, I'll die on that hill. I, you know, I, hey, I, I respect that. You know, uh, I, I guess I can say that, uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, <laughs> I had a joke that just, I just lost. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, no, uh, 
it, it's definitely uh oh yeah i mean i i would say if if i'm gonna be like doing a show the first thing it better have is no straight white guys on it if it has any straight white guys on it i don't want to be a part of it and that well, means it's a myself fucking, it's a fucking so. circle jerk yeah well, i mean that's and that, that's the whole thing it's just what's the best way to put this I think people are too blind. I think people are like the same thing. When people start shows, for the most part, it's all about, oh, I'm gonna put my friends up, give them stage time, and then and you put like one well-known middle headliner on the show, thinking that's gonna give you some kind of like, ooh, I booked so and so on my show, so people are gonna come. It's like no one's gonna come, but all the comments are gonna wonder how you got them on the show, and right. then you realize comedians are super accessible, <clears throat> but yep. like comedians in L.A. aren't. I've heard. <laughs> I got a story for you. I won't tell you the comic's name, but. My friend uh, out here, he was running a show in the back of a bar, hosts regularly at the improv, like has like, you know, that kind of fucking footing and, you know, runs a tight ship, runs a good show. And he booked, you know, a known comedian who'd been in a lot of movies and does stand up. He's a, he's funny ish, you know, mm -hmm. and -ish. Uh, apparently <laughs> he sends the agent inside. His actual agent goes inside and then the guy I know knows the agent and he's just like, yo, what's up? And he's just like, oh yeah, I'm here to just scope out the room. He goes, yeah, well, where's so-and-so? And then he, and then the guy pokes his head outside the car. He goes, oh, hey man, what's up? And he's just like, what are you doing? And the, the agent, he literally sent his agent in to fucking find out if there were people in the fucking room. Otherwise wow. he wouldn't have gone on stage. You know, that's the kind of shit you deal with here. I was wondering if, and that's like, that's one of a few stories I've heard. That's not the first time I've heard it. You think if uh, you think Jesus, whenever he was getting ready to do the Sermon on the Mount, sent like uh, Judas out and he's like, hey, man, go see if there's anybody out there, bro. Like before I go out and Judas is like, uh, we got I we got yeah. six. And J Jesus is like, if we don't get 10, I'm not even I'm not even going to do it. It's just not worth it. Do you, th do you think I can't you think spread Jesus the, the love of Christ <laughs> with just six people? It's do you, just do you not think, doable. Do you also think that Jesus went up? He's like, hey, man, if this uh, religion thing doesn't work out, I should probably go back to being a carpenter. Because, yeah, that was uh, my shit. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, he even like, had a psychic, like, but uh, Jesus, Jesus went into his boss's office and he's like, he's like, hey, man, uh, uh, I'm putting my two weeks notice. And his boss is like, well, what, what do you mean? You put it. He's like, well, I'm I'm going to I'm God now. So, you know, I'm just going to. <laughs> i'm god now gonna, so uh and he's like hey you know, you know before you start building that, about it, the universe it, let's uh finish building that cabinet yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, so man. yeah i mean um but in general though i mean like uh, the comedy thing is obviously to me it's very much i don't get a good feeling from it here because i don't like i have a few comics that i love out here that you know i know from new york and that's the thing is like you gravitate to what you love, right? You know, you gravitate to what you miss. Sure. And I love the New York comics out here, at least that move out here, because they still have that little bit of fuck you in them, and they're very blunt and yada, yeah. yada, yada. Whereas, yeah. like, here, when you hang out with the L.A. comics here and there, you just get this flakiness. You get the, you know, semi-fakeness. You're not sure who's on the same page with you. It's it's very hard. It's very snaky out here. Yeah. In general, you just don't know who's for who. Well, to be fair, I feel so like I that's, out, the, that's it's like that everywhere, but on in L.A., cities like L.A. and New York, it's, it's on full display of what, because it's yeah, just it's so cool. many people there. You just really see the worst I, of everything. I would argue that it's more in your face here just because that's what this economy thrives on is entertainment, whereas in New York, it's like no one, I mean, like, yeah, there's entertainment, but it's not like everything. I mean, you'd argue that New York is like the financial capital of the world, you know? That's right. all the big... Fortune 500 companies, all the fucking 
hedge funds and all that shit, you know, you're unlikely to hear somebody talking about agencies and uh, TV shows when you're at a coffee shop in New York. Everyone's talking about bank loans and fucking uh, mergers and market. Like in, in L.A., you go to a coffee shop fucking every table is taken up by some asshole writing a screenplay so you're not the only one that's the that's the part that's so scary because you're like fuck i'm not important but when you start to meet people and people that have that fruition and power like it's but i've learned the more people who talk about like you know the universe and all that shit you got to fucking run away because that shit is the most like bullshit thing to like distract you from everything else yeah but yeah like, for sure I man you, i do think you need to be you, you need to be positive and you need to believe in yourself and be a little delusional i hate the word delusional but like it's true to to feel like go somewhere whereas like if you know if you're negative all the time which comedians can relate to it's like it's self-sabotaging it's not productive you don't feel good about yourself you you, you go in these patterns of fuck you know yeah well, I think it's I normal fe- to feel that way here and there. I feel like what we're all in search of really is some sort of fulfillment to our Absolutely. What, we, what we feel our purpose to be, right? So we're all just searching for a fulfillment of our purpose in, in a sense, whatever we're doing, I feel. But it's like, to me, I feel like the best way to achieve happiness in that search and in that, that, the, mm-hmm. that struggle for that is it's like what any given one show, for instance, in comedy – like the the same approach and outlook to serve you best in that is a microcosm to what the same approach for like basically the whole fucking thing is, which I think is that you right. can't be super invested in in a certain outcome. You can't be invested in an idea yeah. of what you what you're manifesting it to be, and and you have to be okay to like right. deviate and call audibles and see and, and and different things might present themselves that you weren't expecting. Maybe they were things you really wanted or never thought you would get. Maybe they're things you never really wanted or don't even care about, but. If you feel, you know, I feel like we all have to kind of just feel like when you, I think it's that, funny you say the universe because I'm like, my thought is, though, in a, in a sense, things get laid out in front of you and you have to know which way to go when they do. That's going to best I'm serve saying you the and ones best who, help you fulfill your purpose, I guess. I, I, I just mean the people who are just like who talk in this hippy dippy voice about it. Yeah, I do think that, yes, everything happens for a reason. I do think that you everything is supposed to happen because it's already placed there. You're just, you know, you make you pick a or B option. You end up in that route. You know, it's ever, I think life is definitely a, uh, was it an RPG, right? Isn't that what like whole, when you choose your own destiny? Yeah. Yeah. You I know, guess so. Once you yeah. do something, uh, something happens. Like, I just think that's how life is. It's, it's already set up. You just pick whatever option and that's what it leads you to. It's always in this, this fantasy fucking game of your life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that the, I mean, the reason I moved out here was for film production. I didn't move out here to be a comedian. Like if I wanted to be a comedian, I'd stay in fucking New York. Like that's right. To me, that's asinine. I don't think yeah. it makes sense. You only yeah. get better in a place you're surrounded by the best. Right. There are filmmakers I've met around here where I'm like, fuck, I need to get better at this. I want to do this, and, you know? Yeah. And I've had those opportunities to exercise those muscles and even compensate it. Now I haven't been paying my bills with anything in filmmaking. But I've still done things where I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't have to wait tables one day because I got to check for, you know, X, Y, Z amount of dollars to AD on a day. You know, it's crazy. Those sort of things were really cool. It's crazy, too, how one just one just one thing like one huge thing could like make your career like could support you for the rest of your life. You know, like think about Seinfeld and how much residual income that motherfucker gets from Seinfeld. You know, like they I'm I'm certain it's like 
hundreds of thousands of dollars every year just in Seinfeld residuals. You know, all those cast members, all the main cast members. Did you say hundreds of thousands? You think it's millions still? No, buddy. It's, it's probably in the millions. Man. Okay. It's the most, well, it's probably the... I'd say it's def- next to Friends. It's definitely one of the highest syndicated shows. Okay. Okay. You know, you're you're so actually that, you say that. that I mean, like, like, I right. don't know. You're right. I don't. But I mean, but I don't one know. way or the other, who, it's who the fuck am I? It's more a lot than enough income to make a living with just that alone. And it's like, and, and but also that could apply to like a song, like musicians. I was listening to uh, uh, an interview with like one of the guys from that band Africa and that song Toto. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, that song oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bad. Toto is the band. My bad. Africa is the song. Sorry, I got it. Yeah, well, Africa. Africa is the song. Yeah, I know the song saying. is Africa. Yes, but he was the guy from Toto was like talking about it on an interview on like some radio broadcast. Like before, they'll do like sometimes they'll talk about what the history of a song is on classic rock stations, especially. And uh, they uh, were talking about it, and they they did a little clip interview of the guy from Toto, and he's like, "Yeah, we basically made <laughs> like I'm living off of Africa." Like that's it. Like not oh, that that's yeah. it, but oh, that's yeah, enough in itself to live off of. Think just about Africa. any one hit wonder for that matter. We're talking about a yeah, four or five minute song, bro. Well, that's the whole thing about this town that is so fascinating because like one day you could be waiting t- you literally could be one day waiting tables and the next day you're doing this. Like listen, I have an office job right now. I'll be I'll yeah. be candid. I have I luckily got an office job as far as like what I'm up to. Uh second week of February. I was basically working one to two days a week at a fucking movie theater before that, like really just losing money every day going to work and just like basically staying home and not spending money because like I couldn't. And then eventually I got this job after applying to like thousands of fucking offices, get this job right before the fucking COVID shit. And now I can work from home. And then I see all these guys who I used to run around with waiters. I used to work with everyone's just out of work. And I'm just like, fuck i got so lucky like yeah, i have filmmaking friends who were just like who literally were freelancers like they literally have made their living off film filmmaking yeah yeah and i'm just like i'm sitting here going well i got fu-. i mean like i listen i don't obviously know how long this will go and i also don't know how long this job will be an employable thing like until like luckily it's in the advertising world there's always going to be advertising but like again like yeah if this drains the economy i mean like how much longer can it last yeah, no, absolutely, like- man. It's it's scary times for performers. I want to maybe we could get into talking about that. Um, but if it's cool with you, man, real quick, I wanted to see if we could go cut this feed and then come back for a second segment, if that's cool. Yeah. Cool, man. Jokes on you, motherfucker. We are alive. 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 Jokes on you, motherfucker. We are alive. 